Hello, Tom Myers here. If you're like me and you've got a lot to say, a lot of stories to share, a lot of opinions to give, then listen up. I'm going to talk about something that's going to take your passion for podcasts to the next level. I'm talking about the 7 Million Bikes podcast course. This is the podcasting course you need. Imagine having the skills, the knowledge, and the confidence to create, produce, and grow a successful podcast. And you're not doing it alone. I'm talking about Neil Mackay, the podcast guy, founder of 7 Million Bikes Podcasts. He knows what it takes to turn your passion into a podcast that stands out. He's going to guide you through everything from podcast ideas that resonate to nailing that audio production and even editing your episodes like a pro. With 23 tutorials and over three hours of video content, this course is packed with practical tips, real-world examples, and everything you need to know to get started. Just $97 for a wealth of knowledge that'll set you up for podcasting success it's a no-brainer think about it less than a hundred bucks to unleash your creativity share your story and potentially even turn your passion into a profitable business people like ian payton who's taken the course launched their own podcast and already in the top 10 percent of podcasts worldwide and you could be next the seven million bikes podcast course is your ticket to podcasting greatness. Go to the link in my show notes right now and let's make your podcasting dream a reality. Hi, I'm A.A. Ron, the owner and producer of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. Bombing Run, the original comedy combat game show. It's an hour's worth of comedians clashing with their jokes. And soon to be released, Orbs Wacky World, a talk show with a twist. It will be a mix of comedy, unusual questions and music with orb as the host oddly funny productions we might be odd but we bring the funny to you that's a-w-d-l-y funny productions hey everyone it's me again if you're tired of listening to this show with all these ads in the way go ahead and subscribe to my patreon in addition to listening to this show without the ads you also get extended versions of these episodes and bonus clips as well doesn't cost that much you can get plans for as low as one dollar a month you can show the love and your support just go to patreon.com slash tom myers spelled m-y-e-r-s and subscribe and listen and enjoy today again that's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Tom Myers versus the rest of the world. The United States House of Representatives voted to hold former Trump advisor Steve Bannon in contempt for refusing to comply with a subpoena to appear before the select committee investigating the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol. Who would have known someone with his fashion sense and grooming habits wouldn't make good legal decisions? Steve Bannon looks like Andrew Breitbart if he survived the heart attack. (laughs) Donald Trump launched a new social media app Apparently, it keeps getting hacked. It must be frustrating as it was the first campaign-related hack where he didn't have to ask Russia to do it. (laughs) The judge in the Kyle Rittenhouse case said the lawyers are supposed to refer to the two people who were killed as the looters. You can't call them victims. That's very PC of them. The next thing you know, we're not going to be allowed to call them white supremacists. We must call them insecure white guys with small dicks. (laughs) 
Employees of Netflix staged a walkout after their CEO defended Dave Chappelle's comments in his latest comedy special on that platform. It's now creating such a buzz that the special is getting more views. You know, I was getting views because of people complaining about my stand-up long before Dave Chappelle did it. He's a hack. If anything, I want credit for originality. And now on with the show. Please join me in welcoming Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, and Michelle Wojcikowski. Tom. So how is everyone doing this week? Well, it's interesting watching the fallout from the aforementioned Dave Chappelle special because some people are saying, oh, he's been canceled as he goes uh, now on an arena tour where he's mm-hmm. going to play his special uh, in an arena. So we should all be so canceled. I would love to have been canceled like that, as opposed to just, say, a bunch of local uh, Second Amendment activists posting on a message board that only they read. Right. That's right. You mean you, you wish you could have monetized your cancellation? I know. I mean, that, that's actually the smart thing to do. Like, apparently, I have to be like outright racist and hateful in, in order to do it. And I think on this podcast, to be fair, I've actually come close to uh, saying things that could have been misconstrued. That Well, I probably have said some things that could have been misconstrued that way. Of course you have. <laughs> uh, you don't tend to um, lean toward the racist area because you spend um, a lot of your time talking about erections, as I recall. So um, that's that's what you do, Tom. You just do. Listen, bodily <laughs> functions bring people together. We all have them. <laughs> Abby, how about yourself? What's going on? Um, uh, so last week I had to leave a little bit early because I had a show down in D.C. and mm-hmm. it was super fun. And uh, thank you guys for accommodating me. Um, they gave us goodie bags uh, at the show. Uh, there was like it was sponsored by somebody and they gave us these bags of like homemade candies. And there was like a cookie in there. It was super nice of them. Uh, and the next day it was my, uh, my significant other, you guys know, Greg, Greg K. Uh, it was, we were going to celebrate his milestone, his recent milestone birthday with his parents down in DC. And so I woke up the next morning, I was running a little bit late. I had a cup of coffee and I ate the cookie that was in the goodie bag. <laughs> and, uh, it was a weed cookie, and I did not know that. Um, That's a great way to spend time with your significant other's parents, though, to be fair. And also, it was the best day ever. We went to the Hirshhorn, and like the, you know, the Museum of Modern Art, and then we just like walked around the National Mall. We got ice cream. Like I ate ravioli for dinner. Like it was the greatest way to be accidentally high and not realize it until someone else told you days later that the cookies had weed in them. Yeah. Michelle, please tell us how you've been. (laughs) I took four days off social media and I feel like a new person. I swear to God, I, I have to use it for work you know, and I'm, I'm always publicizing stuff. And I was just feeling really close to complete burnout because I've also had a lot of work. And so Friday through Monday, man, no social media. And after, after most of Friday passed, I just didn't miss it. You know, <laughs> Of course, I was right back on today sharing a million things, but you know, well, yesterday, see, I can't even remember. Did you give us a weed cookie that I didn't know about? 
Despite his age and reports of his deteriorating health, Bill Cosby says he would like to do a stand-up comedy tour. To accomplish that, I think the only appropriate course of action would be to grind up crystal meth, put it in his water, and watch all the fun. (laughs) Bill Cosby is 84, blind, and in debilitating health, also known as healthier than any open mic comic, but in terms of him being a sexual predator, only slightly more dangerous. It's only a matter of time before predatory comics start their own series of comedy shows under the name the Andrew Cuomo Comedy Festival. Coincidentally enough, Andrew Cuomo may have a future touring with Bill Cosby at Louis C.K.'s birthday party. It's bad enough having the reputation of a Cuomo, but when you find out that his kids are also descended from the Kennedy family, a family not exactly known for being a model of how to treat your dates and significant others, you just realize how fucked their chances of building a life of their own really are. So one of the things I wanted to discuss this episode was how like, the Me Too movement was, was pretty big earlier on, on, and then it fizzled out. And then with all the allegations against uh, Andrew Cuomo, that sort of brought the movement uh, back, in the, uh, back into the spotlight a little bit more. And then with his resignation, we're starting to have more, more in terms of uh, accountability. I mean, do you, do you see it all that way or am I sort of misreading the situation? I personally don't think the Me Too movement has ever gone away. Maybe it stopped trending on Twitter, but I've seen interviews. I, I mean, it was like it opened so many women up to feel free to talk about it. And I haven't seen, you know, there was a time where everyone was talking about it at the same time. But so it, I think the amount of people at one period kind of slacked off a little, but I don't think it's fizzled. I I think there are still a lot of people, um, you know, speaking out and, and a lot of companies are doing a lot of different training now because they have to. Right. You know, I think with uh, such a high profile person as say the governor of one of the most populated States in the country. And I think it was the longest serving governor in, in the country. That's sort of brought it again to, I mean, you're right, the movement hasn't gone away, but it's been brought into more into more of the national spotlight now, especially with just how, just how long he'd, he'd gotten away with some of this stuff and how overtly much of a creep he was. Tom, I appreciate the way that you said how long he's gotten away with it, because his whole argument is basically that the times they've changed and, you know, things were different back in the day. And I feel like you, you know, when you're being shitty, you know, when you're abusing your power, you know, it, even if you know, and you know that you're not going to get caught for it. So knowing that you're not going to get caught for it, but still knowing it was a shitty thing to do. And then 30 years later being like, well, no one knew we were going to get caught for it does not excuse the fact that you knew it was shitty. And uh, to Michelle, to the idea of like the Me Too movement never going away, like, I feel like I kind of grew up with it. Like, I remember my mom talking about like before having jobs before you could like be discriminated against, you know, before you Mm -hmm. couldn't be discriminated against for being a woman and stuff. And like, so I grew up on those stories, you know, her and her like feminism, you know. And so I kind of feel like my, for me, at least it, it was always there. And so when the Me Too movement came, I was sort of like, 
Oh, I thought everyone talked about this stuff. No, we don't all talk about this. Like, I don't know. I'm grateful for my upbringing, I guess. The term back in the day just tends to mean before you all found out. Right. Yeah. You know, back in the day, you mean before we discovered it? Back in the day when I did Jello pudding. Yeah. Before we found out. Okay. I hope is that uh, this doesn't uh, fade away because uh, people on the right are happy that Andrew Cuomo uh, was uh, forced to leave office, but they, they're not holding the former guy accountable. And so far he hasn't been accountable despite the many, uh, many, many women who have come forward. I think I re read recently about one woman's case is still proceeding but uh, all of his sycophants think he can do no wrong. So they're excusing any behavior of his. And I wonder if this is going to affect, uh, if that makes them say, well, if they're accusing him and he, of course he didn't do anything, well, nothing's ever gonna happen uh, to any other person that they, they don't believe, uh, that they agree with, that they think that they're all liars. Can we talk about weeds more? <laughs> uh. <laughs> Former Governor Cuomo is one of the latest cases of accountability among public figures. Despite the overwhelming evidence against him, Cuomo put together this cringeworthy defense, complete with an equally nauseating photo montage. Other complainants raised against me questions that have sought to unfairly characterize and weaponize everyday interactions that I've had with any number of New Yorkers. I've been making the same gesture in public all my life. I actually learned it from my mother and from my father. It is meant to convey warmth, nothing more. Indeed, there are hundreds, if not thousands of photos of me using the exact same gesture. I do it with everyone black and white, young and old, straight and LGBTQ, powerful people, friends, strangers, people who I meet on the street. I do kiss people on the forehead. I do kiss people on the cheek. I do kiss people on the hand. I do embrace people. I do hug people, men and women. I do on occasion say, ciao bella. On occasion, I do slip and say sweetheart or darling or honey. I try to put people at ease. I try to make them smile. I try to connect with them. And I try to show my appreciation and my friendship. You know you're screwed when your only defense is making it sound like a very twisted version of Dr. Seuss. I kiss people on the hand. I kiss people on the head. <laughs> also, his defense is just a string of people he has assaulted. It's exactly, like <gasps> exactly. You know, if I if I decided, you know, hey, my grandmother used to grab men's penises when she walked up to them. 
And that's how I learned it. You know, um, you know, it's like he's throwing his parents under the bus. And 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 the things we learn from our parents always aren't always the things that you can do in the future. It's a power thing. And he knows mm -hmm. it. And when you're the person who is giving a, you know, physical affection in a way before you've established the trust and relationship that that would be normal within, then you, you're, you're forcing the power dynamic. And it, it doesn't matter that it's with another man or it's with another political leader. I would say all of those instances that he showed in that very long montage of him kissing people is him exerting his power by yep. being physically, you know, without being physical, without consent. Like that's all that is. And it's the same thing when your grandmother does it to you when you're six, because she's in a position of power and that's, you know, whatever. It's not that, you know, she's, it's also affection, but like in his, in these instances, it's all about, or there's definitely an undertone of he's controlling that relationship. Cause who's going to say in public governor, don't touch me. Cause that's going to make the news. You know what I mean? And then it's going to be like, what's wrong with her or him or whomever, you know, Oh, were they abused? Why don't they, do they not like Italian people? Do they not like governors? Do they not like, I mean, it would suddenly become this whole big thing. So you just shut your mouth, let him touch your face and you go home and you freak out. <laughs> also don't put Bill Clinton in your video. If you're trying to defend yourself against sexual allegations. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> one thing that what bothered one of the many things that bothered me there is, is as as Michelle put it the way he threw his father under the bus. Uh, Mario Cuomo was a great man, a great man. He would have been a great president. He would have been a great uh, Supreme Court justice. Uh, he had though he was talked about for both. Uh, he was uh, a governor of uh, of New York and a. One of my favorite people that doesn't excuse any of Governor Cuomo, Governor Mario Cuomo doing those things, but don't use, don't, uh, as, as Michelle said, don't throw your father under the bus uh, for your, as an excuse for your behavior. We may never be able to understand the behavior of men in person as well as on social media, but we are able to exploit their actions for the purpose of entertainment value as we can see in this clip from Divorce Court. Why don't you tell me about your suspicions that Mr. Mr. Bryce is cheating on you? But they have groups. They're not like chat groups, but they're like aside from the normal social media. Mm -hmm. And he was on there posting, he was on a sex group. He was in a particular sex group. On this particular group, he posted a picture of his private parts on the internet for the world to see, then why? At the time when I did it, it was like, you know, we was arguing and all the time, and I didn't really think nothing of it because I'm not really seeing these girls. Like, ain't, ain't like none of them in my inbox, and I'm trying to go see them or whatever like that. Exposing your genitals never resolves an argument. Excuse me. <laughs> Ever. It, it, it's not like, you know, hey, you... you you shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't have done this. Oh, yes, I see your penis. Okay, you're right. 
I think that argument would have been a lot differently if the judge behind that uh, lectern was Brett Kavanaugh. I'm annoyed, Tom, because I had to wait till my third year of law school to to uh, hear that legal principle exposing your genitals never resolves a legal argument. And she just <laughs> says it to anybody watching sports. <laughs> Well, in a way, I disagree with that judge. Like, if I'm arguing with someone and suddenly they pull their penis out, then I'm like, you know what? We'll call it a draw. There's, <laughs> there's no way to argue or to try to reason with people like that. And just a little public service announcement out there for all the guys listening. Nine times out of ten, a woman doesn't want to see a picture, a close-up of your junk. I'm just saying. There are women for whom fighting back against men and their piggish behavior is considered batting practice. In this clip, artist Whitney Bell tells us how she took an act of digital harassment and turned it into art. Um, we, we found you on Instagram. That is like how we became acquainted with you and uh, then with a little bit more sleuthing, figured out <laughs> that you did this amazing dick pic installation. I am sort of known as the dick pic chick now, yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's my beautiful. moniker. <laughs> and so I started collecting unsolicited dick pics from every woman I knew, which was shockingly easy. All they had to do was like open their Tinder back up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Um, and I got like over 200 within a month and decided to display them in a, in a gallery space that felt like the inside of a woman's home. So there was a bedroom and a bathroom and a, oh, a kitchen. Wow. I love that. But yeah, so it was just that. And then a, a river of dicks and interspersed with like feminist prose and stats on harassment. Mm -hmm. And a, a lot of times when I was getting the, the pictures from these women, they started telling me their stories. It was yeah. just a natural progression. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, I can't do nothing with all of these like kind of funny or heartbreaking or whatever it is stories. So those got incorporated and I think really helped give some some context for all the yeah. penises. Since the gallery ended and there was all this press around it and stuff, which is great, but I get so many, many. dick pics now. Still, We're gonna still ask you six about months that. later, I'm getting probably three to six a day. <gasps> and right afterwards, it was like 30 or 40 a day. I'm sure you were just inundated. Yeah, and it was, I mean, I'm cataloging them all and reserving them for other projects yeah. and stuff. And now I have like such a thick skin about it. It's like just kind of funny, but they're always accompanied with these messages which are one of two things it's either like fuck you you come dumpster like i know you like it which only confirms my harassment theory right, huh? or it's guys being like please put me on your wall like please i just yeah, want to be included <laughs> i mean i can see a lot of unknown open mic comics whose only experience is performing over zoom submitting for that project because it's one more thing they can do where they don't have to leave the house because they are, in fact, getting paid in exposure. Very good, Tom. Uh, I, I actually. <laughs> so this crosses over with my story that I told earlier. Uh, I went to the Hirshhorn and Lori Anderson is like the featured exhibit right now through next uh, summer. And she's an amazing uh, feminist. So this is like re like role reversal here. So she did a whole exhibit in the 70s. She did this where any guy that would street harass her, like, you know, you know, street call, you know, cat call her or whatever, she would just turn around and take a picture of them. And so there was a whole exhibit and she would describe underneath like what the guy said to her and stuff. And wow. so it was like this 
beautiful. It was just like a really cool part of the exhibit. But anyway, it just kind of reminded me of what she, you know, she did with the dick pics. It's like, yeah, I don't want you street harassing me. Here's, and she would blur out their eyes, but it would be like, you know, on the corner of, you know, the street in the street, he said, you know, blah, blah, blah. Loved it. Really super cool. And that was in the seventies. She was doing that. In a way I can relate to this artist because like, if I had a dollar for every time someone texted to me that I was a cum dumpster, I could afford to pay you guys for coming on here. (laughs) There was a time when the not so subtle mistreatment of women was mainstream and suitable for family viewing. As we can see in these old TV ads for a well-known brand of coffee. Your coffee, sir. Thanks, beautiful. You're welcome. How can such a pretty wife make such bad coffee? I heard that. Forget the coffee, Marge. It's never very good. But Phil, I... I'll get some at the plant. Oh, no. What's wrong? Oh, it's your coffee again. The desk sergeant at the station makes better coffee than this. Ed, really? Sorry, honey. But your coffee tastes terrible. Attention, ladies, please. Right now, at the end of aisle two, I've set out a brand new, can't-miss, husband-pleasing coffee. Papa Eddie, my coffee, it's murder. It's either too bitter or too weak. Try Folgers. Because Folgers coffee is mountain-grown. Mountain-grown? Like the sign says, mountain-grown for richer flavor. (laughs) I mean, it's really condescending that like the store clerk not only thinks women don't know how to make coffee without their help, but also they don't know what a mountain is. The sign says it's mountain grown. It must be mountain grown. Anyone like a little side of misogyny with their breakfast? (sighs) (laughs) As someone who's toured uh, down south before and eaten at several waffle houses, they give that to you for free. Along with (laughs) racism. (laughs) The cheesy eggs. (laughs) The cheesy eggs are worth all of it. I'm just like, uh... Guys, it's water and coffee grounds. What's wrong with you that you can't make this happen? Like day after day, you're just like, like shaving cream. Like, I don't know, make your own fucking coffee. The desk That's exactly what I was going to say, Abby. <laughs> exactly. If you Everybody's- think my coffee tastes like shit, then get off your ass and make your own. Everybody's you know? going to the desk sergeant from now on. <laughs> If it was something his the people at home can't see this, but the the police officer was who was complaining about his wife's coffee. His wife was had makeup on whatever hour that was. Let's say he's going to work. She she had her hair done. She had makeup on and he's complaining about the coffee. What time did she have to get up to put herself together to serve him the coffee that he's going to complain about? I also yep. thought about that, Jeff. I also yep. was going to go there. Thank you for reading my Reminded mind. me of a true ally, Jeff Heisen. Pearls. Thank you. Wearing <laughs> pearls and heels to vacuum clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Hey, Marge Simpson still does it. <laughs> she has one outfit, though. <laughs> <laughs> there is nostalgia for the time when, among other out-of-date practices, treating women as second-class citizens was the in thing to do. For example, here's a woman who is proud to choose an otherwise throwback lifestyle. 
I'm Lacey Fay, and I live every day like it's 1958. People's reaction is it's almost always positive. This is who I am. This is what I like and I feel like. You should do what you like. You should do what makes you feel beautiful and dress however you want to dress that makes you feel the most like you. People will stop dead in their tracks and they'll just stop and their, their eyes are fixed on her as, as we'll walk by. One place in town that kind of brings in the 1950s vibe quite well is the local pharmacy. It's called Bullet Drug and they have a soda fountain, they have a jukebox. It makes it a lot of fun. As soon as I put on the first 1950s dress with my hair and makeup done, that's when I felt like I was finally me. I found my authentic self and I've never looked back since then. I really honed in on the 1950s because of my grandparents. They got married in 1955 and their stories, it just made it sound like the best time ever. Everything's beautiful, colorful, happy, optimistic. Like, okay, she says the times, it was the best time, like it was beautiful, optimistic, all these things. But like, meanwhile, that was also a time when like people would go ape shit if black people drank out of what they thought was the wrong water fountain. I thought that was an episode of WandaVision there, Tom. <laughs> well, and the thing is, she's, she's taking the whole time frame as to what she believes it was. I mean, she's talking about her grandparents got married during that time. And of course, when you bring back memories, I mean, I, I've had people say, oh, you know, I loved high school. High school was great. And I'm thinking, yeah, you couldn't pay me enough to go back to high school. You know, so I think it's about what, unless I knew what I knew now, because then I would just be like all over the place, you know? But I, I think it's, if she's doing it because she likes how she looks, I have no problem with that. If she's doing it because she wants to be treated like someone from that time and it was being treated in a poor way, then that's messed up. In no part of that did she say, she was like, I like to wear this dress. I like this furniture. At no point was she was like, I like to have my husband make decisions about my birth control options. Like she didn't say that. She was just like, I like curlers. And uh, yeah. If she really wanted to live like they did in 1958, right. She, she'd let her husband do all the talking and she wouldn't be on YouTube. Like she's got her own well, you YouTube can channel. look at that woman and you know she's not taking any shit from anybody. You know? That guy cries himself to sleep every night. <laughs> if it was truly 1958, then uh, that car didn't have a seatbelt. To sum up, three women who discovered they were being cheated on by the same guy saved up their money and went on a road trip. It's a story about overcoming obstacles, not letting life get you down, and about three women who, let's face it, all swallowed the same guy's load. We can all crack jokes about the fact that Jeff Bezos's rocket, being shaped like a penis, only stayed up for about 11 minutes. But I can tell you from experience with my last girlfriend is that 11 minutes is more than enough. In fact, the only reason I was able to keep going for that long was because I was fantasizing about her best friend. He was way nicer to me. <laughs> I don't know why I decided to go that particular route for the sake of comedy. Maybe it's the way I'm wired. Or perhaps it's because there is a segment of my listeners 
who have only heard of me simply because I am a target of a bunch of racist white incels who talk shit about me on their podcasts. And I feel obligated to say something just to make everyone feel included. And that was it. That is literally the only thing they're going to get for a long time. Enjoy. And on that note, that's our show. I want to thank Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, and Michelle Wojcikowski. Thank you. Chin, chin, everybody. This episode was written and hosted by Tom Myers with panelists Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, and Michelle Wojcikowski. Theme music by Your Own Vandenberg. Executive producer, Tom Myers. Executive producer for IPM Nation, Matt Connerton. For more information, visit tommyers.us. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you want to listen to more of this episode, go ahead and subscribe to my Patreon. There you can get extended versions of episodes like this one, as well as bonus clips. You can even listen to regular episodes without all these pesky little ads through which you have to fast forward. Doesn't really cost that much. Plans as low as $1 a month. Go to patreon.com slash Tom Myers, spelled M-Y-E-R-S. Show the love, subscribe, show your support today. That's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Hi, everyone. I'm Orb. I am not the official spokesperson for Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. A-A-Ron is tied up right now. Shut up, I'll untie you in a minute. Here at Oddly, we're producing some great shows. Bombing Run, where comedians compete to see who's Joker Race. And Orb's Wacky World, a talk show with a mix of comedy, uncomfortable questions, and music hosted by yours truly. When you think of comedy, think of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y, funny productions. Now, how do I get out of here? Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.